Start streaming. Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday live stream. I'm your friendly fishmonger, Dan from dancefish.com. Also have a little website called uh, getgills.com, which is a great place for you to sell your fish stuff. So if you have fish or fish supplies that you want to sell, you can list them there on this handy dandy little website. Uh, Let me show it to you real quick for those that don't know. It's right here. Anyone can go here, you can create an account and you can create your own store. Here's all the stores that folks have made. There's me, Dan's Fish, if you wanna look at my stuff and uh, you can sell your stuff there. So if you have stuff to sell or if you're looking to buy stuff from other hobbyists and such, getgills.com is where to go. Um, I'm having a huge sale right now at dansfish.com. All my killifish are 50% off until March. So tomorrow is the last day of that sale. So if you want to get some smoking deals on killifish, which were already a good deal before the sale, and now they're half off of a good deal, so they're a smoking deal, then check out dansfish.com. And um, I think that's about all the promoting I'll do. I, I People keep telling me, hey, you got to promote your stuff a little more. So that's it. I don't want to make it a forever sales pitch, but getgills.com or dansfish.com. We can take care of your fish needs, most of them. Um, Hey, everybody, for those that I haven't said hi to yet, hello. I want to say a special hello to Angela Turner's grandchild, five years old and joining us. So keep it clean, folks. We got a kid here. (laughs) Um, Taylor, hey, Bob, glad you made it. Tampa Tom coming in. Hobbit Habits Bree Bree, glad you made it. Denny's Fish Tanks, hello. I think I said hi to everyone else already. We were kind of chatting before the stream a little bit while I was listening to uh, Corey's stream. As, <laughs> speaking of a sales pitch, <laughs> Corey's stream today, he got this big box in from China and he's going over all the products. There's some cool stuff there if you are into like dry goods and stuff. The Fish Tank Barn, hey, glad you made it. Glad you are here. So I wanna start today by showing you something kind of cool. I wanna show you uh, the fish that I got in this week on Monday. And they're doing pretty well, which is good because they're they're reputed to be fairly sensitive, a couple of them. So let's take a look. So here's the first one. This is the spike tail gourami. And this is an okay picture of it, although they, they have more red in the tail. Uh, this is another picture which kind of, between these two pictures, you can get a good idea of what they're like. Um, they're doing great until today. Um, so they've been in their antibiotic bath. Uh, Monday, I gave them antibiotics. Today, I gave them the booster antibiotics. And today, I noticed some ick. So tomorrow, how I'm going to handle that is tomorrow, I will remove them from that tank and put them in a different quarantine tank with a copper bath. So that'll take care of the, uh, the parasites that they've come up with. But, you know, it's just ick. It's not something I'm scared of or anything. It's a pretty routine thing. And I think that uh, within... Within a few hours in that copper bath, they'll kind of start feeling better. And then a few days in it, they'll be back to normal. So that does happen occasionally with fish, especially when they go through the stress of import. But not as often as you would think, honestly. It doesn't happen that often. So spike tail gourami, great little fish, about two inches. Really unique, um, different than, you know, your normal gourami or your normal paradise fish or whatever. And these come out of India. So cool little fish. Glad to have them. Been wanting them for a long time. Here's another fairly sensitive fish. At least it has a reputation. These are the chocolate gouramis. 
and um, they've been rock solid so far. A lot of these sensitive fish, all that they really need when they first come in is a chance. So they come from these black water environments where because it's so acidic, they don't experience ammonia and they don't experience much bacteria. The, the acid is a fairly sterile environment. So often what happens is you'll bring them in and, and they'll come and they'll be in a tank in a store, a wholesale or whatever, and they'll get attacked with bacteria and they're just not used to it. And so it just infests them. So while they're going through the stress of adjusting to captivity, they don't have a shot. But if you give them an antibiotic bath for the first five days or week, usually in my experience, they kind of get used to captivity. The stress of shipping and stuff resolves a little bit. And they can be some of the most rock solid fish ever. So, so they're doing great and I'm glad to have them in. And then the other ones I got are the Aplicylus blocki. This is a fish um, that I absolutely love. It gets maybe an inch and a half for a really big one. So it's a small little fish and um, they're beautiful. These rows of kind of red dots interspersed with this iridescent blue spangling, pretty little fish. Here's, here's a picture I took of one of mine when I had them before about a year ago. And they've been unavailable until very recently. So I was able to get some of them again. So that's all I got <laughs> because I ordered a bunch of stuff, but as per sometimes happens in this racket, um, the, I only got three of what I ordered. So a lot of stuff was shorted, but that's to be expected. I was trying to get some wild type bettas in and some other stuff as well. But what I got is pretty cool. So those spike-tailed garamis, I'm really excited to have. Uh, and the chocolate garamis as well, because those are two fish that I've never kept in my private collection before. And the all three of those species I've been ordering for several weeks. So they, they finally showed up. So it's kind of funny when you're doing this. Um, they'll often be... Like for those chocolate garamis, there's three different skews. So they could be different suppliers or they could be different sizes or whatever. So you order one skew for a couple weeks, nothing happens. So you take a gamble, you try a different skew, nothing happens. You take a gamble, you try the other one. And eventually, if you keep at it, sometimes you get lucky and you hit. And this week at hit, I was able to get um, all these guys in. So yeah. Those are so that's kind of this week's uh, shipment. Again, only three species, but really cool stuff that I've been looking for for a while. So I'm glad to have it. Um, Slippery Fish Aquatics, hello! Thanks for the great killifish shipment. You're awesome. Glad you got them. Hope you love them and that they give you just a ton of babies. <laughs> In fact, I'm pretty quick here. I'm going to be doing a uh, a video on spawning those guys. Uh, Aphiosimum caliurum. This is the Ogun population or collection point, and they're pretty. Uh, Matt, I don't know if they've colored up for you yet, but give them a few days and they're going to be just really stunning. Dansley, anyone see Lumpy Dog? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a feeling that's uh, Dansley making fun of me for the other day when Lumpy Dog was in here for like an hour and I just didn't have a clue. And I was like, hey, has anyone seen Lumpy Dog? And he's like, I'm here and I've been here for an hour. <laughs> um, 
For those of you that are new or um, have forgotten to get me to answer your question or, co- or respond to your comment, if you make it at Dance Fish, uh, the at symbol, then just start typing Dance Fish, no space, at symbol, Dance Fish, no space. It'll populate, select it, and then it'll highlight for me and I'll jump right to it. If I'm not responding to you, it's because it's not highlighting and I'm just not seeing it. So. Uh, if you'd repost it, great. If you're on a phone or other device that doesn't do that successfully, some of them don't, um, then if you would just ask a mod to get to help you out and they'll bring it to my attention. So uh, thanks mods for being here, Bob and Lumpy Dog. I'm sure that Candy will be over when she's done with Corey's stream. And uh, 54 Punch will be back, you know, end of the semester. She's working nights right now, so she can't be here. Dalton Young. Hey, Dan, I'm excited about the sword tails. What's the story with the Odessa barbs you have on your site? Are they from Greg at Select Aquatics? How are your special or ender line doing? So, um, Dalton, I'm excited about the sword tails too. I think they'll be ready to go on Friday is when I plan to post them. I did have one death yesterday and unfortunately it was a male and I only have a few males, so that's no good. But, um, but it was one of those things where everyone looks fine. Some residual thing that it had or something, uh, everyone looks clear and fine. So provided everyone is still fine on Friday, I'll go ahead and post them. If, if anyone else starts looking funky though, or anything like that, then I'll hold them longer and run them through more treatments. But they've gone through the same regime that all the other shipments did and did well with. So I think they'll be ready Friday. And yes, finally got some males. So <laughs> I'm excited about that too. The Odessa barbs are not from Greg Sage, although I've been to Greg Sage's house and I've seen his Odessa barbs and they're pretty amazing. Um, the ones I have are an import from Asia and I've sold all of them except for a pair. So I have a pair for sale if anyone wants them. And the reason I kept a pair is if I can get around to it before they sell, then I'm going to try to make a video of spawning them and raising them. However, if they sell before I do that, then that's fine too. I I keep wanting to do these videos of spawning all these fish and every week I just run out of time and I'm always like, okay, next week I'm going to do it. And I'm trying, but my, uh, what I want to do is, is greater than what I actually have the capacity to do sometimes eyes bigger than my stomach type of thing. Um, and the Endlers are doing awesome. The Santa Maria Endlers are doing great. So the kind of uh, spawn to determine if I can let them go or not is growing out. And so far, every one of them is coloring up to be a pretty good looking Santa Maria. So um, there's still some that are small. I'm waiting to grow out a little longer. And the ones that are coloring up haven't colored completely. What happens when that fish colors in is... And let me show this fish to people for those that don't know it. Um, This is a fantastic fish. So we're talking about these guys right here. This is the Santa Maria Endler. And what happens when they first color in is this black here kind of starts. They're just a gray fish, right? No color. Then this black starts to come in, but it doesn't turn real dark at first. It's kind of like a a, a light gray. And gradually that darkens, and then gradually this orange starts to come in. 
Then the green comes in. You don't see it well on this picture, but there's a little bit of green here and in the dorsal fin. Here we go. So this green here starts coming in. The last thing to come in is these orange um, kind of, I don't know, extensions, if you will, on the caudal fin. Uh, where's a good shot of those? Um, this is a decent shot. No, that's not actually a very good one. Here we go. That's okay. But anyway, the, the orange on the caudal fin starts to come in. Where we're at with mine is everything's come in on the biggest ones, except for the orange extensions on the caudal fin. So that always kind of comes in last. So I'm seeing like some yellow coming in there. And I'm sure that in a few days it'll be nice and orange, but I just want to verify that it is and that the rest of that spawn grows up and colors out. And then, and we're real close. I, I know I keep saying that, but we are, we're, we're very close. So far, it looks like we're 100% on track. So if I have these things at 100% or 90% plus, then I'll be ready to let them go. What I don't know what to do is I have a couple tanks full of really beautiful Santa Maria endlers, but they're my coals. So they look pretty good, but um, maybe the ratio to orange and black isn't quite right. Maybe the green isn't in the right spot. You know, they, they, they look great. Like if you looked at them just casually, you'd be like, man, those are amazing Santa endlers. But if you kind of dug in, You'd be like, oh, that tail shape's a little funky, all that. So I have all these, and I have no clue what to do with them. Um, I keep being tempted to list them for sale, but I don't want to distribute subpar Santa Marias and then have people be like, hey, look at these Santa Marias I got from Dan's Fish. And people will be like, oh, those look horrible. You know, they don't look horrible. They look great, but they don't look like Santa Marias. Um, so... I think ideally if someone had an aquarium where they wanted a bunch of beautiful endlers, but were not planning on breeding them, but just having a beautiful tank, that's a possibility. But I don't think they should be used for breeding just because they aren't quite right. So it's a tricky situation. So I'm not quite sure. Holy cow. Who gave me a hundred bucks? Mile High Plecos, Mikey's back. Hey, I should have guessed. Hey man. Mikey, glad you're back. Um, what's your favorite color? Well, right now it's red. Right now it's red. Absolutely. Because that's the color of your super chat, my friend. Well, how you been? Um, I hope you're doing well. I've, I've got to contact you outside of this live stream just to check and see how things are going. By the way, um, you and Priscilla, I'm going to send you guys the first pairs of these uh, Santa Maria's once I know they're breeding true, just because when I gave you guys the ones before, they were earlier in the process and weren't breeding true, I'm sure. Although I hope you've got some good offspring out of them. But now that I have them kind of close to where I want them, I'm going to send you and Priscilla the first pairs, um, just as a thank you for all your help when I did the big import. So um, are you still in Gillette? Did you finally get out of there? Like, where are you at? What's going on? Good to hear from you. And thanks for the hundred bucks, man. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, super chats are always so appreciated, everyone. They're never required. Um, I'm a small enough channel that I can always get to your questions and comments without a super chat. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to weed them out or anything. 
Um, so, but always so appreciated. Thanks. That'll make the wife super happy, Mikey. Appreciate that. Um, Bob says, let your mods promote. Yep, I will. I will. Go ahead. I meant me like talking promotion mode in the stream. So Dalton, that's where we're at. Um, back to Dalton. So we're super close and I can't wait cause it's, I don't know, getting close to a year and a half in the making. It's not quite that long, but well over a year getting this line established. So we're getting close. Um, aquascaping. Hey, good to see you. Glad you're here. <laughs> All right. Slippery fish. Hello. Hello. Thanks for the great killifish shipment. Oh, you're welcome. Think I already responded to that one, but good to see you again, Matt. Bob Kaler. Oh, it jumped on me. Hang on. There we go. Bob Kaler. If you want Dan to see your comment or question, be sure to start it with at Dan's fish. So he sees it. Yep. That's how we do it. That way we avoid, avoid the boring part of me just like reading chat for days. Um, looking for something to respond to. This makes for bad television. Amp Aquatics. Hey, I'm so glad to see you. Hi, a dance fish. Didn't highlight. You must be on a phone. Sorry, I've been absent. Lots of medical issues going on. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope they resolve. That's never fun. And um, Amp, I've actually been meaning to contact you. I, I have a thought of uh, something that might be fun to do at the Get Gills Facebook page that I'd like to run by you. Um, so I'll be contacting you here as soon as I can breathe <laughs> and get to it. Hey, Kaler, thank Bob Kaler. Thanks for uh, posting the Facebook group for Get Gills. It's, it's really a fun site and it's growing and there's some neat stuff on there. Um, a lot of people that are breeding fish and things are posting their updates as their stuff breeds and hatches and grows out and all that. There's also some chat about shipping fish and folks that sell fish online or buy fish online that, oh no, <laughs> this is deja vu. <laughs> Bob throwing down over Mikey, $101, no more professor. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I appreciate that. Hey, we got 43 people watching. That's pretty good. So Bob's saying that because I resigned a, a fully tenured professorship in order to, uh, you know, pursue my kind of lifelong dream ever since I was in junior high of doing fish for a living. So uh, that's what I'm doing. That's what dancefish.com is. That's what Get Gills is. And so thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it. Again, makes the wife super happy um, because, uh, you know, money is a little tight in the transition period. And, and I'm not I'm not begging for super chats. Please understand that. I'll I'll get to your stuff, whether you super chat or not. But it's so appreciated. It, it always helps. So thanks so much, Bob. Uh, throwing down 101 just to not be outdone by Mile High Plecos. <laughs> I don't remember which one it was, but. There was one live stream where Bob and Mikey got into it and there was a super chat battle. And I think I walked away that night with close to a grand in super chats because those two were just like going at it. Um, so that's worth watching. I forget what number it is, but if you want to see a cool super chat throwdown, check, check out some of the former live streams. Uh, Tampa Tom, do you know which one it is? I know you've been watching the, uh, the live streams you might've come across that one recently. 
Glenn Norton, howdy. Glad you are here. So good to see you again. So good to see you. Aquascaping 101, dance fish are the spike-tailed gourmies like licorice gourmies. They are, but they're bigger. So they get about two to two and a half inches. So they have all kind of the beauty of a licorice gourami, but they aren't so small. Now, I love licorice gouramis, um, and I love, you know, the little pygmy sparkling gouramis and all those stuff. Uh, those little tiny nanofish are great. But every now and then I'm like, man, this thing is so gorgeous, but it's so small that it's hard to see the gorgeousness. So that's why I like the spike tail gouramis and the croaking gouramis. And by the way, the croaking gouramis are close to being listed for sale. I've probably had those for, is it two months now? Maybe two and a half months. And there's been a couple times when I've listed them for sale, thinking that they're good. And then I look at the tank and I'm like, man, something's off with these fish. Nothing super obvious, just something. And I finally got it, I think, all figured out um, a, f a couple weeks ago. And so now I'm just observing them and keeping them in, for another little while to make sure that they're truly... In, in top shape before I send them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Holy cow. Mikey's in top form tonight. Go have a nice dinner with the wife on me and Bob. Mikey, $202 super chat. Wow. So I love it when you come by and do this. This is awesome. Thank you. Please, 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 though, don't ever feel like you, you have to super chat. You can always come and just hang out. But um, <laughs> when you show up and it rains like this, man, this is crazy. Thanks. I actually know what we're going to spend that on because uh, we got to take our car in to get repaired. So it's actually probably not going to go to a nice dinner. I wish it could. It's probably going to go to uh, to getting our car done. So that's actually very timely. Thanks so much. But uh Yeah. $202. That's nothing to sneeze at. Thanks so much, Mile High Plecos. I guess I should say this. For those of you that are looking for Plecos, um, I've been to Mile High's place. I've seen his stuff and I was very impressed. I've seen many, many fish rooms. I've been to lots of fish stores. I've worked in fish stores. I've worked at wholesalers. Um, I've worked at breeders. Uh, I've been around and what I like about Mike's stuff, Mile High Plecos, is even though it's Plecos, right, poop machines, everything's nice and clean. All the fish look super healthy. Um, everything's just in great form. And so for anyone looking to get Plecos, I don't know with your work schedule, uh, Mile High, being in Gillette and out of town and all that stuff lately, if you've got anything to sell now. But if you ever get a chance to buy from him and... I'm not just saying this because he gave me massive super chats. It's kind of jogging the memory. But honestly, he's got amazing fish. Everything's healthy and in great shape. So if you get a chance to buy from him, um, I'd encourage you to do it. I, I don't know how often he's got stuff available, but when he does, if you can get it, I'd recommend it. Um, got another one here. Five bucks. Dan Slee, car repair fund. Can't hang with Mikey and Bob. Oh, no problem, man. I couldn't either right now. Um, but thanks. I appreciate that, Dan. Thanks so much. And um, like I told you in the chat, I think those pygmy quarries are finally ready to go. They came in pretty rough. Um, 
like a lot of white kind of slime on them that the tails kind of degenerated almost to the caudal peduncle on some of them. And so just been biting my, so I treated them uh, with a couple of things for quite a long time. And I've just been waiting to make sure everything grows back and that they're really recovered before I send them out. Cause when something comes in that rough, it really can take quite a bit of time to get them back to good shape. 203, I think we're going to break records. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah. So King of DIY and aquarium co-op and all them, they might have a lot more subscribers and viewers, but every now and then for some reason I get the big super chats and I don't know why, but I, I am so glad when it happens. This is fun. 51 watching. Hey everybody. Um, if you haven't done this, if you wouldn't mind sharing this, uh, letting people know what's going on, I have a feeling this is going to be a really fun throwdown that might be worth watching. 52 watching. Let's get some more. And by the way, I'm like a couple subscribers away from 4,000. So if you like my stuff and you just haven't got around to subscribing, um, but you would like to, then now would be a great time. We're close. We're almost there. 203 from Bob Kaler. Get dessert two. Wow. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it so much. I don't know what else to say. Just thank you. Um, I think everyone knows this, but I'm not the only channel that Bob supports. He's around. He supports lots of people. He gives a lot of great advice and he does these great videos that are usually short and shows his stuff and answers questions often in a live stream format, even though they're kind of short and stuff. And, um, you know, he's, he's a great resource. So check his stuff out, but, and, and he's one of my best customers too. So not only does he spend money on my fish, but then he also does this and he mods for the channel. I mean, the guy's doing it all. So thank you so much, Bob. Appreciate you so much and have for a long, long time. Um, 55 in the house. All right, we're going, we're going. Let's see here. Where did I, I got, I was talking about to aquascaping 101. Sorry, I got distracted with all the hundred dollar bills being stuffed into my G string. Um, so yes, reels. Did this thing mess up the zero on the end? <laughs> Thanks real. I appreciate it. $2 and four cents. I appreciate it so much. Another great customer and reels here like week after week. So thanks for being a, a good uh, subscriber or what do you call it? A participant in the live streams. You make these things richer. So I was talking about these spike tail gromies. Um, yeah, they're about the same, just a little bigger, which is nice in some instances, because then you get to, uh, you know, see them better. And they really do have a lot of red in the fins and those pictures aren't exaggerating. Mine are still stressed from shipment, but they're, they're already brighter than those pictures. And that white kind of iridescence on the edge of the cobble, it really is nice and bright. Um, all right, Kelly's Aquatics. Oh, get your dance fish swag right here. And it highlighted the dance fish. So that's why I jumped on that one. I've got a t-shirt if you want it. Skipper's Aquariums, hi. Well, hello, welcome. James Glenn, dance fish. Why couldn't you sell the coals cheap and call them assorted endlers? Yeah, that might be a, that might be a solution. 
Yeah. Here's what I, here's what I'm afraid of happening though. Um, the, the Santa Maria Endler is a very specific fish. What I'm afraid of is people getting them like cheap calls like that. And then, and I'm not saying anyone here would do this, but people in this industry are funny and weird stuff happens, but getting those and then selling them as Santa Maria's to someone who doesn't know better or, or, or someone that does, I don't know. Um, so getting a fish really cheap and then flipping it onto someone kind of dishonestly or somehow getting them out there. And then we have like weird lines and I become known as the guy with crampy, crappy Santa Maria handlers because of that. So I, that's my fear. Um, so I think ideally if someone has like just a tank and wants some pretty handlers and likes the Santa Maria look, but is willing to have fish that aren't perfect Santa Maria's and isn't planning on breeding them. That's the person that I'd like to send them to. I think in just the males, because it's, that's my fear is the, a bad line getting out there or people just being dishonest and, and getting them out there is something they're not, I guess. And I mean, I'm sure 99% of the people wouldn't do that, but there's always that 1% that are like, Hey, how could I make a quick buck? Well, Hey, they're selling these for five bucks. I know on, on Aquabid, they're going for like a hundred or 125 a pair. So I'll sell them for 75 a pair. And then, you know, I want to avoid that. Lumpy dog, how are those wild angels doing? They look great on video. They're, they're great. They're rock solid. They're going to be ready to go. I'm sure on Friday. So this Friday, I'm planning on listing the red eyed red cauliflower hyphen albino sword tails. <laughs> I think I got all the names in there. Um, the West African cichlids I got, which I'm not quite sure which species they are yet. So I made a video today and I'm going to share that video with some, uh, West African cichlid geeks and try to get a confirmation on which species they are, but they're awesome. They're a cool looking crib. Um, they're like called the, a yellow crib, but I'm not sure exactly which species they are yet. So those will be ready to go. The Temensis, um, or I'm sorry, not Temensis, the Pseudomugil uh, signifers, the little blue eyes that we got, I'll probably list them as well. Although I might wait just a bit longer for them to color up a little more because if I have an even sex ratio, I'd like to sell them as pairs to people if I can. And right now it's a, some of the males are obviously bright and colored and stuff, but there's some that are smaller and I'm just not quite sure what their sex is yet, but health wise, they're doing great. Um, and then let's see here. Oh, and the Sungur rainbow fish, if I haven't listed them yet, but I think I did list those, the Milanotania Sungur. So I guess let's see here. What else did I get? Is that all I got? And whatever else I got two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I can't remember what it is. But yeah, those wild angelfish from Peru, they're doing great. And by the way, they aren't acting. Often you hear that like wild angelfish or wild discus or whatever, are very, very like hard and finicky. These haven't done any of that. They came in, they eat flake food, they eat pellets, they eat everything vigorously. They're active. Their fins are spread. Their eyes are clear. 
Um, there has not been a single issue with them. They're doing fantastic. So if anyone in here has angelfish and um, needs some wild blood in their line, I've, I've got some good ones uh, available. Actually, you know what? They're already listed for sale, I think. Yeah, because I got those a little while ago. I can't always remember what I got when. Sometimes they cross in my mind unless I'm actually looking at my invoice. <laughs> so Lumpy Dog, they're doing good. Small fry aquarium fish. I'm late again, fashionably late. Hey, what's with the Kaler throwdown? I know, uh, Mile High and Bob got into it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a throwdown for sure. <laughs> I think the throwdown might be, might be done because those were big throwdowns. <laughs> those were big throwdowns. <laughs> Although Bob's taunting, hey, you out, Mikey? Yes, Bob. <laughs> um, let's see here. Looking for more that are at Dan's Fish. I just got to uh, to the $202 Super Chat from Mile High. Thanks again. Dan Sleeves, $5. And Bob Kaler's 203 Get Dessert 2. Love it. Um, it's more like instead of dinner and dessert, it's probably like a car repair and gas <laughs> right now, but it much appreciated though. Um, let's see here. Sorry, chat's skipping on me. There we go. Small fry aquarium fish. I'd love to have heard the conversation with your wife, honey. This tenure thing is overrated. Huh? Yeah. Um, well, okay. On that. No, she totally gets it. Like I'm really lucky. I married the right lady. She's very supportive of this. She's not like a fish geek, but she thinks fish are cool. Like I can show her cool fish and she'll be like, yeah, that's cool. She doesn't want to geek out on it for hours like I do, but she appreciates them. Um, on really busy days, she comes, she helps me pack the fish. She helps me get them to the mailbox, to the post office and all that. Um, and so when we had that discussion, it was, I mean, she's known that this is something that I've been having in the back of my mind for a long time. Uh, from when we were dating, she knew I was weird like this. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it was, it actually wasn't a surprise. It was like, okay, I think it's time. I think we can finally afford to do this. Um, you know, I kind of burning out at this other job, let's switch career, you know? So she, instead of being like, Oh no, she basically was like, yeah, how can I help? And so it's, it's been, she's amazing. I got really lucky, Craig, for sure. So any of you that, um, are wondering <laughs> what makes a marriage work, that makes a marriage work, especially if you're a fish geek, because if you're a fish geek, you're weird and you got to marry someone really understanding <laughs> Dalton Young. Do you have a local fish club? Kind of. Um, a few years ago, I started the Sheridan Aquarium Society, SAS, because we're sassy. And we went for, oh, I don't know, six months or so. And what we found is we're such a small town. We're a town of like a little less than 18,000 in population, small town. And we're, we're isolated. We're two hours from Billings, which itself is a pretty small town. And we're six hours from Denver, the nearest big city. So 
all us fish friends that kind of started this club were like, A, there aren't enough of us to have a huge turnout. And B, we already kind of knew each other and we're in contact anyway, just because we're such a small town. So we kind of were like, yeah, this formal thing isn't really necessary. So we, after a while, we were like, well, we already know each other. We already know what everyone keeps and breeds and has. And so, and anytime we have a question, we always talk to each other. So the, the meeting part of it didn't really work for our situation. So um, we don't really have a club right now. That being said, um, there is someone starting a fish club up in Billings and I'm excited about that. I'll help out with that. If they need me on the board, I'll be on the board. If they need help with the nonprofit, I've created nonprofits. I'll help them with that. So I have a feeling that my local fish club is going to be the one in Billings once that gets going, because they have a larger population. I think it's about 50,000. And I think that can support a, a true club. So, yep. But until I moved to Wyoming in 2011, I had always been in fish clubs. The Sacramento Aquarium Society um, was my first one. Then we'd go to the Bay Area Killifish Association every month. So we'd drive to the Bay Area and go there. Um, so I, I was really lucky as a kid. I had a guy named Jim Forche, who's like family to me. I call him my fish godfather, but uh, you know, they were at my wedding. They've been at all the important events of my life. So real close friends. And he was a fish geek too. So he and his wife would like be going to all these things and they'd just be like, yeah, hop in, we're going. And so they took me all around as a kid. So I kind of grew up in the clubs and I find it invaluable. If you've got one, I don't know what to say other than uh, I've always enjoyed them. They've been a huge benefit. And yeah, go, 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 go. Dalton Young, you're doing better on here from Super Chats than the ladies are doing at my buddy's place. <laughs> what is a good price to pay for Santa Maria and how do I know if it's a good line? It's a hard question. Uh, so the price is honestly what you're willing to pay. What I've seen them go for is I think about 125 bucks a pair is what I've seen them going for. Are they a good line? I have no idea. Um, there is someone that sells them as pairs. I have no idea how true they breed. I've only been able to get males. And so that's why it's taken this long to kind of take those males, cross them out to another line, cross back in and get a vigorous line that breeds true. That takes a while because you don't want to constantly inbreed then you'll get problems. You, you inbreed and then you cross to unrelated lines and it takes space and time. So that's why I've been working on that. Um, the, the other gentleman that's selling them for 125 a pair, I have no feedback on how his line is. I simply don't know. And I don't know of anyone that's bought them and bred them and has said anything. So I really don't know, Dalton, um, how to know if you have a good line until you breed it and see what the offspring turn out as. So that's that's really the only way to know. Oh, I guess there's another way. If if you join the like American Library Association and there's folks there that know the different lines around and who has what, 
you can be directed to folks that have good stuff. So there might be someone out there breeding great Santa Maria Endlers. Um, and if you get into that Liebherr crowd, that, the, that group of people that just nerds out on Liebherrs like hard all the time, if that line exists, they'll know it and they'll, they'll be able to point you to that person because that person will most likely be part of that group. So you can do it by reputation as well. I just, I don't know that person right now. So, yep. Killers Aquatics, thanks to Dan's Fish for correctly IDing my fry. Okay, yeah, you got it. Um, yeah, that first video I was like, hey, maybe those are half beaks. And then I saw the later video and I was like, ooh, those sure look like epiplates to me with the vertical stripes and stuff, so. Yeah. Oh, I have a half beak female right now that's super gravid. She's she's about to pop anytime. So I've got to remember to put her in like a little five and a half gallon with a bunch of plants to see if I can finally get some fry. They're they're breeding all the time, but they're so cannibalistic that I've never seen fry yet. So I, I want to have that experience. Jeff Rose is here. Hey, Jeff Rose. Welcome. If you're looking for a live stream, check out Jeff Rose's channel. If you need stuff to play in the background while you're doing your water changes and stuff, he's got hours and hours and hours of live streams that you can dig into. Wichita. Hey, Wichita. Glad you're here. Good to see you. JH Aquatics is here. Hey, howdy. 58 watching. Not bad for us little channel here. Not bad for us folks. Um, so Wichita and... Um, JH, how are the fish that I sent you guys doing? I hope everything's doing well. Joseph, any any eggs yet that you've seen? Seen any fry? Hope they're coming along well. And yeah, anyone else that's got fish, uh, you know, it's I always get the report right when they arrive, but uh, it's nice to know that weeks and months later if they're still doing well as well. So if you have any reports, successful spawnings of anything I sent you or anything like that, I just love to know if stuff's doing okay. Or if you've had any problems, if it's like, well, they did good for a week, but then this happened, that's very useful for me to know because if multiple people have that experience, then I know that um, I probably sent them prematurely and I need to figure out what the problem is so I can fix it next time uh, and not have other people have that experience. So it's always good to have that feedback. But um, JH, I hope that they're breeding for you, those killies. Michael Wilson, on your Endler Guppy, Guppy hybrids, how about donating a 20 liter and a box of the coals to a local school? I could do that. I just don't have a local school that has an aquarium that's kept up. So um, I am the provider of the local high school, they get tons of fish from me, um, but they don't, I mean, they've already got, I mean, basically they come in, they see what they want and they, they get it. So the endlers aren't one that they've been wanting. So if a local school wants them, they can totally get them. But remember town of 18,000, there's not that, it's <laughs> not that many schools and none of them have an aquarium that, that want the endlers. So but I, I, I see what you're thinking there, though. Yeah, I mean, it's a good idea. Um, I just don't think I have that school right now with that tank. Or that, like, what I don't want to do is give a school a tank and be like, here you go, and then just have it totally not kept up. It's got to be someone that, the nice thing about the high school is there's a biology teacher there, um, and 
he knows how to keep fish. And so he uses the aquariums and he, he has his students maintain them and they learn all about all the science and biology and stuff, um, you know, by keeping the tank. And when I, when that guy gets fish, they're, they're going to last. Um, a lot of people though, if just out of the blue, they get a tank, it's like, yes. And then a week later, you know, everything's dead and, or it just looks horrible and they get discouraged and stuff. So it's gotta be the right fit too. It's gotta be someone that, uh, knows how to keep tanks or is willing to kind of do the work for the long haul to have a good tank because, I don't want to give the kids the experience of here's this tank and then everything dies or here's this tank. And then oh, it was disgusting and not kept up and full of just, ew, it just looks horrible and everything looks sick and um, it's not kept up. Right. So it's important to me when I do this kind of stuff that it goes to someone who will actually do it. So that the kids have a good experience. So they're more likely to be interested over the long term as opposed to, Oh yeah, fish. Yeah. I had those in a classroom and they were horrible. I don't want to do those again. So, but I like the idea, uh, Michael Wilson. Um, and I appreciate the idea. I just don't think it's practical for where I'm at right now. Uh, like just cause I already know all the folks that have tanks in schools and they already have a bunch of stuff from me. Hobbit habits, Bree Bree update on my first aqua bid purchase. Cool. Drove two hours to pick up the fish and got an L 144 is a gift. Awesome. I have to keep telling myself no more fish. <laughs> we know how that goes. Yeah, that doesn't work. Um, that doesn't work. <laughs> and that's how, you know, you're a good and truly a fish nerd. If that thought is always in the back of your mind, like if I, I just one more tank in this spot or this species in here and all that, it doesn't mean we have to act on that. We have to be responsible, but that constant itch, yeah, you've got it bad. You've got it bad. <laughs> 57 watching. Not bad. Thanks for being here, everybody. Tech Turtle. I'm late to the party as well. I guess you are, but uh, tardiness shall not be accepted. Off to the principal's office with you, Tech Turtle. Just kidding. Glad to have you here. Glad to have you here. Danny says, hey, you, Dan. Well, hey, Sylvia R. Whatever happened to those croaking grommy? Yeah. Are they still acting weird? I really have my heart set on getting some eventually. So they're no longer acting weird. They were for a long time and it wasn't, it was weird. It wasn't like anything obvious. It wasn't like, oh, they have white spots. I'll treat that. Or, oh, they have body slime. I'll treat that. It was just like, I think they're good. And then I would sit down and like every now and then I'll pick a tank. I try to do this once or twice a day, pick a tank and observe carefully. Um, just so I can kind of keep in touch with the fish in that tank. And if I do one or two tanks every day, then I, I keep my pulse on how the fish are doing over the entire kind of facility. Um, and every time I'd watch them carefully, I'd be like, okay, they're eating, they're active, but I couldn't put a finger on it. I never did put a finger on it, but I did try various things, finally got them good. And now I'm just making sure that they're truly good for a few weeks before I list them. So Sylvia are they, um, they should be listed. It's probably going to be at least two weeks though, because I would hate to list them again. And then, a couple days later, look at them and be like, oh, they're actually not okay. So it's a weird situation with them. They 
it was really subtle. Like you almost wouldn't know it, but I know what that fish should be acting like. And they were almost acting like that, but just being a little off. So yeah, they're, they're coming along though. I think they're going to be ready pretty soon. Tech Turtle, did you ever release the puffer care and medication video? I haven't yet, but I have been working on it. It's a doozy. Um, it's three, four weeks of footage. And so I'm picking the best footage. I'm editing, I'm adding stuff, you know, and doing B-roll, which in this case is me. <laughs> I'm the B-roll in this one. Um, the fish are kind of the A-roll and getting it all together. So I'm still working on it. It's, it's a doozy to put together though. There's a, a lot to it. There's a lot of footage to comb through, but you haven't missed it. Um, it's coming out as well as the kind of how I land fish and go through the first week of treatment. So I've got a different video on that. The puffer situation was different. I had to treat them differently because of what they came in with. Um, so I've got the puffer video, I've got the normal routine video, and then I'll make another one later about after the first week, um, how I do the parasite stuff. So the first week's usually antibiotics. And then once they're clear of that and move to their kind of more permanent home, um, the 75 gallon aquarium, it's usually what I put them in. Then I start the uh, parasite treatment. So that'll be a separate video. So, so I've got those big videos I'm working on. And in the meantime, I'm trying to put up a video every day, pretty much. I mean, it's not on shipping days and not on like shipping prep days. So there's a couple days a week that it's just not going to happen. So I'm trying to make videos in between doing those big videos. And so it's just taking a little time, but it's coming along. We're getting there. 62 watching. Yowza. That's good for us. That's good for this channel. Thanks everybody for being here. Um, Terry's Tropical Tanks. Hey, good to see you. Glad you're here. And he didn't have to go to the bank with the dollar bills. I, I, I'm sure that was hilarious. And in response to something and very witty, but I can't remember because <laughs> it was probably a little while ago. How far behind am I? I'm probably a few minutes behind. I tend to do that. Rick May, for anyone that is in the area, the Salt Lake City Fish Club will be having its fish auction March 8th. I know it's a drive for you, but I thought I would pass it along. Well, cool, Rick. That's good to know. I am in touch with like Bob Allen and some of the other folks um, in your area that do the fish club and have a bunch of fish and stuff. Um, and I would love to do that every now and then I go to Salt Lake for business, like to is a producer. So I go down there and I, I cast shows. Um, I audition a bunch of actors. I'll go to readings of new plays to see if there's something there I want to produce. So every now and then I end up there and, uh, maybe I, Maybe one day it'll coincide. Also, if you guys ever want a speaker, um, I'm happy to come down and speak. That's something I enjoy doing. Tech Turtle, how do you get most of your fish, local or imported? Imported, most of them. Every now and then, um, <clears throat> I will get locally bred fish. By locally, I mean in the United States. <laughs> it's like in this little town in Wyoming, there's not a bunch of breeders that I can go buy. So there's no Dean here, no master breeder Dean here. So, but 
almost all of them are imported. And actually, and here's the reason for that. I do sometimes get fish that are bred in the United States, but most of the fish that are bred in the United States are in Florida. What that means is those fish are used to super hard water and, and pretty high pH. Florida is basically an old coral reef and the water there is amazingly hard. My water here is super soft. And so what I try to do is get fish from sources that better match my water parameters. It's difficult. I do it, but it's difficult to take a fish from a very hard water supply that's been bred in that kind of water supply for generations and then put it in really soft water. Um, the, it's just the osmotic pressure on them is intense and you'll get fish if you don't do that properly. And sometimes even if you do, they just blow it out because they can't handle the osmotic pressure, the fresh water trying to rush into their bodies. Um, so for me, Florida fish, I do get them occasionally from breeders in Florida. However, it's always my last option not because I don't want to support them, but because their fish tend to not do as well in my water. Whereas if I import from um, places that have soft water, then they don't go through that kind of intense acclimation process that I have to be really careful with. So that's kind of why I do that. Um, now, again, I, I do get fish from the United States. And if there's ever a hobbyist that has a big batch, I like nothing better than to get from hobbyists. Um, the main issue with buying from hobbyists in bulk is A, there aren't really any local to me that breed in bulk. And B, if there is someone in the United States that breeds in bulk that I can get from, there's very few of those people that will do an airport to airport cargo shipment, which is what I need. It's cost prohibitive for me to get fish from a hobbyist FedEx or UPS or, you know, Express. It costs much less to send a big box from your airport to mine. And so when that can happen, and sometimes it does, then I love to do that because there's nothing better than hobbyist bred fish. They're generally hardy, you know that they've been treated well, usually, and with, with a care and attention that a large operation, not to disparage a large operation, like a big farm or something, but if you've got less fish, you can spend more time with them, caring for them, right? So I like doing that. Every now and then the stars align and I can do that. But usually what happens is, so it has to be a few things. It has to be a species I'm actually looking for at a price that makes sense and a quantity that makes sense. So usually a lot in one purchase. And then the person needs to be able to ship airport to airport. And they've got to have all the supplies and knowledge of how to do that. So when those stars align, then, I, then that's the best thing ever. But it usually doesn't align like that. So I usually import most of my stuff. Um, let's see here, where are we at? 
Hang on. Chat did its thing. <laughs> the struggle is real, folks. Um, for anyone that has done a live stream, you'll know what I'm talking about with this chat just like randomly going, I'm going to just jump here now. <laughs> oh, Jim Blinn says Billings is over 105,000. Great. It'd be great to have a club in Billings. I'm in Laurel. Well, I know someone in Billings who's working really hard to get a club established and is fairly close to making that happen. So um, if you send me an email, Jim Blinn, Dan at dansfish.com and let me know, hey, I'm the guy from Laurel who is interested in the club, then I'll get your contact information on the list so that when it's ready, we'll contact you so you know it's happening. Mile high, BRB. I just thought that that deserved a read. <laughs> Another the Z. I didn't even know the first the Z, not much less the, the other the Z. Are you breeding those new wild angels? Nope, I'm selling them. Um, I'm not planning on breeding them. So what I do with the angels is I get them not tiny, but youngish. And I put them for sale and I raise them up. And occasionally a few of them will grow to adult size and pair off before I've sold them all, in which case then I breed them and raise them. But I don't set out to, to breed them. I don't get them to breed. And it's basically just an issue of economics. I don't have enough tanks to breed that many fish in quantity. So, and I've bred lots of angelfish, so it isn't like a, a, a fish I need to check off my bucket list um, or anything like that. There are fish I get in where I'm like, okay, I'm breeding that. Maybe not in like massive quantities and maybe not for production or resale, but just for the sheer joy and experience of breeding that species that I've been wanting to breed for, you know, since I was a teenager. Um, Richard, Richard Crackle, guy in Florida sells Santa Maria's for 105 a pair. He has a good rep, but never bought from him. Cool. Looking forward to yours when ready. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So looks like there's a source there for who was asking Dalton. Dalton was asking about that. So it sounds like there's a source for 105. I think I said what 125. I was off by 20 bucks, I guess. JH Aquatics, no eggs, no fry, but the fish are happy. All right, cool. Well, it'll happen. I bet it's happening actually. I bet one day you'll walk in and be like, hey, where'd that fish come from? <laughs> Gardner, I like that. Dalton Young, I asked because I know you said you can't find any females and I really like the Santa Maria. Look them up at lifeins.com has a pair. Three fry for 95 shipped. Whew. Or you could sell me some. Um, yeah, it, three fry for 95 bucks shipped. Well, if they're going for 105 a pair, then that's reasonable. Um, I have a feeling that So here's what happens. If this group that I'm raising up is proves to be um, <clears throat> pure enough <laughs> to call it a line, then that becomes a breeding group for me. And I start selling their babies, which means I'm in some of those females and they're already pregnant, by the way, because they start spawning even before they color up. They already have gravid spots. So that means I'm going to guess if in fact they're a good, a good line, 
if they grow out and prove that to me, and they're, they're proving it right now, I'm pretty confident that they are, um, then they become the breeding group and the next spawn I start to sell. So, um, yeah, so that's what happens. So Dalton, it's a question of, of how long you can wait. If you're willing to wait until that happens, then I'd be happy to sell you some. But if you're like, nope, I need them now, I totally get it. And check the reputation of whoever you're doing, whoever you're getting those from. I hate for you to spend 95 bucks on three little fish and then find out, oh, they don't breed true or whatever. So check the reputation. And then if you're confident, then, you know, it's an option. Cheshire Cat. I'll be buying the killifish we talked about soon. Got my plants today, but I've been battling a sinus infection. Oh, that's the worst. For a few weeks and I'm too tired and in pain to plant them today. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah, I hear you. Sinus infections are just miserable because you don't feel bad enough that you can just lay in bed and forget about the world. And so you're in this weird limbo state of like, you just feel horrible, but you still have to get stuff done. Like, no good. I hear you. I hope you get better soon. <laughs> it's no fun. 59 watching. Drove a couple people away, but thanks to you, 59, for hanging on. Wichita Falls, I'm glad you mentioned you would separate a gravid half beak. I have two that might be gravid. I'm still learning about them. Yeah, it's, um, she's obvious. I mean, it's not like a guppy where it goes down into like a box shape, but she's a lot bigger than the rest of them. So I'm pretty sure she's about ready to go. And my feeling is, if I remember right, I'm going to get one or two babies and they're going to be pretty darn big. I think they have like small, small batches, but really well-developed large, large fry. Sylvia R. Glad to hear the garamis, that's the croaking garamis, are doing much better. Yeah, yeah. I am glad to say it because that was a mystery. I mean, seriously, I think I've, I'd have to look, but it's two months or more, I think, that I've been trying to figure these out. And every now and then I think, oh, they're fine. And then then I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure. I can't sell them. <laughs> Skippers Aquariums. I'm with you, James Glenn. If I don't watch his, I always wait for Dan's fish live stream. This is one of my favorites. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Skipper. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad you like it. I watch Corey till Dan comes on. Then I switch over. Hey, thanks, James. Glad you made it. And I always watch. There's a lot of live streams I can't catch live. So like when Corey's stream or Friday's Fish Facts stream or whatever, um, or the same time as mine, I just catch the replay. Replays are great. So I don't, I don't miss anything over the long haul, but I'm glad you come over. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. 63. All right. We got people back. Richard Crackle. Do you use crushed coral with your live bears? I don't use any crushed coral. Nope. Um, I haven't, I haven't had to, I guess, but I think I'm going to the reason I haven't is I like a bare bottom aquarium and I don't want to like spread crushed coral on the bottom and have it get clogged up with detritus and stuff. So I just like a nice clean aquarium, but I was thinking about it. I had an aha moment a couple days ago where I was looking at my box filters. I was cleaning out my box filters. I have marbles in there to kind of keep the box filters down because <laughs> otherwise if you do a large water change, all the fine air bubbles, um, kind of adhere to them and they float for you. They aren't, they aren't very heavy. So you kind of got to keep them down. And I, in the back of my mind, I was like, you know what? I wonder what would happen if I replace those marbles with crushed coral. 
that might be something to do. So I might do that in the future. But the truth is, even though I have super soft water and sometimes acidic water, depending on the time of year, I keep limias, I keep platies, I keep guppies, I keep endlers, I keep all kinds of stuff. And they're super healthy and they're doing great. And so I, I haven't bothered. But but it's something that's always in the back of my mind. Sylvia R., I just wanted to say I really appreciate how observant and thoughtful you are with your fish. It's a big expense for me to buy fish, so knowing they're healthy means a lot. Yeah, I, you're welcome, and that's why I do it. Um, and we never know for sure that they're healthy, um, but I do my best. 67 watching. Hey, welcome, everybody. I, I do my best. I, I think the philosophy is this, Sylvia. People should have the best chance of having a good experience when they have fish, right? And if we do that, and if we provide fish that give you the best chance of having a good experience, then you're more likely to stick around and enjoy the hobby. Whereas if someone likes the hobby and then just has a few bad experiences and stuff dies and it's horrible and all that, then maybe it's like, this hobby isn't for me. I'm going to go plant some orchids or something like that, right? Um, so for me, it's, it's just about the health of the hobby. If, if I can do whatever it takes to get people healthy fish, then long-term it's going to be worth the extra time and the extra money for meds and the extra work and all that, because it'll grow the hobby And over the long term, that's good for me as a business and good for the hobby in general. And, um, yeah, I just, I really, really hate the turn and burn philosophy that our industry currently seems to operate under. And so I'm glad you appreciate the work and I'm happy to do it. Please do know though, that despite my best efforts, I can never totally guarantee it. Um, like I really try, but I've had cases in fish keeping where I've had fish that are totally healthy in two different species in two different tanks. I've had them long-term, put them together, wipe out, right? They were both healthy forever. At least they looked it. But, but how could I have known that that fish had something that the other fish wasn't immune to? It's kind of like when the European settlers um, came to the United States or the Americas at the time, I guess, and like had brought smallpox and the indigenous population had no resistance and it just wiped them out, right? The European settlers looked healthy and everything. They were just carriers of this. So there's always stuff like that. So I can never guarantee it 100%, but I do my darndest. Um, I'll do everything I can to only ever sell fish that I feel like I can stand behind and be proud of and that the customer is going to have a, the best chance possible of having long-term success with. So that's the philosophy and I'm, I'm glad you appreciate it. Cheshire Cat, what about going from soft water to hard? That's easy. That's not a problem. I have hard water, 300 ppm and 7.8 pH. When buying from you, for example, should acclimation be done differently? Nope. Nope. That's still, you can temp and tank or plop and drop as people say. Um, soft water to hard water is never an issue as far as I've ever run into. There might be some weird edge case, but in the, I mean, I've been doing this for over 25 years and soft to hard is super easy. Here's the reason. Um, 
we all come from Mother Ocean, right? So, like your blood, your body is the same salinity basically as salt water. So, the the idea is that living things evolved in the ocean, and we're a product of that. And I, by the way, I'm not preaching evolution here, and I'm not disparaging any other viewpoint. It's just the idea is if we're going to go to science that we're based on the ocean. Well, the ocean's salty, right? So this is why when you get in a, a bath, your toes and stuff turn into prunes. They wrinkle up because you're a salty organism surrounded by fresh water. And due to osmotic pressure, that fresh water is getting forced into your body because your body has a lot of salt in it. And the your skin is kind of the, the membrane keeping those two salinities apart. And osmotic pressure says that the salty and the fresh water want to be equalized. They want to become the same salinity. So the fresh water goes into your body to try to achieve that. Okay, that happens to you in the bath. Now, if you're a fish and you are a, a salty organism, which they are, freshwater fish have salty blood, you know, same salinity as the ocean, basically, and you're surrounded by fresh water all the time, that fresh water is constantly trying to drive into your body so that it can equalize the salinity between what's inside the fish and what's surrounding it. What that means is that the fish has to work really hard to fight off that invasion of fresh water. And it's a lot harder to do that with soft water than it is with water that has a lot of salts and minerals in it. So if you take a fish that's used to hard water and put it in a stressful situation where it's already, you know, having trouble and then put it in soft water, all the work it has to do to keep that soft water out of its body adds to its stress. And so that is what makes it difficult. The fish is already working hard and now has to work even harder because it's in soft water, right? So if you're shipping fish, they're stressed. Then you take that stressed fish and put it in a situation where it has to f use a lot of energy to keep its uh, blood salty. That's, that's an issue that can, all that extra burden on the fish can drive it to illness. Okay. So if you take a fish from soft water though, and put it in hard water, it's the, it's not happening. There, there isn't a bunch of fresh water threatening to come in and, and kind of damage the fish. Worst case scenario is the fish gets a little dehydrated because the salty water in its cells, um, you know, might dissipate a little bit. But again, even in hard kind of salty fresh water, it's still not as salty as the fish's blood. So it doesn't hurt it that bad. So taking fish from soft water and putting them in hard water is super easy it's hard the other way because of that osmotic pressure. Hope that made sense. Uh, I hope I explained that clearly, but that's what's going on there. So no, if you get fish from a soft water supply and you have hard water, plop and drop, temp and tank, just float them, then, you know, net them out and put them right in the tank like you would anything else. Yeah. If anything, your hard water will help them recover from the shipping because it'll be less osmotic pressure they're fighting as they recover from that stress. Um, in fact, when I'm landing new fish, I'll, 
almost always add salt to the water and minerals to the water, usually just salt, to combat that problem. Yeah. Cheshire Cat. Okay, thanks. That makes sense. Cool. You got it. 72 watching. Well, hello, you 72. Welcome. Glad you are here. Candy. Hey, Candy. Welcome. Glad you made it. So um, that is good evidence that Corey's done. Welcome. So Candy, there was someone here who is interested in a fish club in Billings, Montana, because they live fairly close by. So I'm having that person uh, email me their information so I can get them on a list and contact them when the club's up and running. Bob Kaler begging for likes. Yep. If you like this stuff, like it. And if you like my stuff and you just haven't got around to it yet and you want to subscribe, I'm so close to 4,000 that it would be awesome to get that today. Um, so if you like my stuff and you just haven't got to it yet, but you're like, yeah, I could do that. Then I invite you to. All right. Okay. We reached the bottom of the chat. Wichita says best ex. ex <laughs> now I can't talk. <laughs> best explanation of osmotic pressure I've ever heard. All right. Good. So it seems to have made sense to at least one person. <laughs> Glad it did. But yeah, it, and it's real. I notice a, a big difference if I land fish without salt versus using salt when I do it because my water's so soft. I notice a big difference. Um, you'll see the stress in the one versus the other. It really does help. And it's not a little bit of salt, by the way. Fish tank barn's going to bed. Well, sweet dreams. Um, it's, it's a lot. I think oh, I would have to look it up. I hate to say the amount... Is it five? Uh, I don't know, but it's more than you'd think. Like in a 75 gallon tank, I'll put four to five cups of salt in there. Um, but I do it by weight so that, you know, I use rock salt. If you're using fine salt, it's different, but yeah, it really does help. All right. So folks that are joining us, if you have a question or comment for me, if you make it at Dan's Fish, so it highlights, then I'll see it and jump right to it. And we'll avoid the thing where it's really boring. And I'm just like reading chat, looking for something to respond to. Um, and there's silence and we all get bored and leave, right? So if you have a question or a comment, make it at Dan's Fish. It'll highlight. I'll get right to it and we can keep this party going. We'll call this the after party. <laughs> Tech Turtle, do you use salt with quarries? I do, but I use half. So normally like, so my landing tanks are 30 gallon breeders. I usually put two cups of salt in there before I land the fish and let it dissolve and everything. With quarries and um, hill stream type fishes, gobies, not salt water, brackish water gobies, but stiffidon gobies, panda loaches, stuff that comes from really clear, fast flowing streams, high oxygen, really pure water, <clears throat> I'll often do half the dose. So I'll only add one cup of salt. And then typically what I do is I do that and then I don't usually replenish the salt. So it gradually dissipates over the week that they're in the landing tank because there's automatic partial water changes going on every day. So it's kind of like they get here, they're stressed, they go in there, um, the salt and stuff helps them, and then it gradually dilutes. And so after a week, there's very little salt left and they're used to that, and then I put them in the other tanks where I try not to put salt in the 75 gallon tanks because it just wipes out my plants. But if I have to, I do because fish come first for me. 
Lumpy Dog. Hello from Baxter Bailey and Brody. Meow. Well, hello to all you that I must have missed. I must have missed the uh, hellos. So thanks for the shout out. Um, if you have a question or comment and you want me to see it, if you make it out dance fish, I will. And I'll say hello back. But meow. <laughs> By the way, for all of you joining, you missed some epic super chatting throwdowns. Uh, Mile High and Kaylee's Aquatic got into it and it got real. And I'm leaving here a much wealthier man than I started the stream. So that might be worth a replay. It was, it was pretty fun to watch. <laughs> Haley Bo, hey, welcome. Do you have any suggestions for? Absolutely. <laughs> for springtails. Well, it depends. Is the suggestion how to culture them? Or is the suggestion how to get rid of them? Um, here's my attitude to springtails. When they come into my aquarium... I'm just like, all right, you're here. You'll eat like detritus and uneaten food and decaying vegetable matter um, and keep the surface of the tank clean. So I don't fight them. I actually like them. That being said, I've never had springtails in my tanks that got to the point where they were just like this horde, this mass, this uncontrollable amount. They've always stayed, you know, in fairly small numbers. So I've never done anything to control them. The only time springtails really bother me is if they get in live food cultures and take them over. That's when they've been, been a problem. And I don't know how to resolve that other than throw all those live food cultures out, wait a couple months for the springtails to dissipate, and then start again. Um, I've had issues with that, mostly with mites. But in, in aquariums, I don't mind the springtails. I've never had them be a large enough population that it was a problem. And I suspect they might be snacks for fish, although I don't know. They move awful fast. But slippery fish aquatics. Does adding the salt harm your plants or does the water change dilute it? Oh, yeah, it destroys. That's what I did here. So this um, used to be a beautifully planted 120-gallon aquarium. I put some fish in there. Um, I thought they were ready. And then they showed signs of stress. And so it's almost impossible to catch all the fish out of there because it's a it was a kind of you know decorated heavily planted aquarium and so um i put salt in there and i just crossed my fingers and i hoped it wouldn't be a big issue but oh it was so i had the um woodwigia growing almost to the top like actually over the top and starting to come over beautiful from 54 punchy thanks so much sorry i killed your plants totally totally melted and the Pogostemmons ocelotus octopus that I had um, totally melted down. So I've trimmed those back to like four inches. And the Ludwigia is recovering. I don't know if the Pogostemmons is. The other plants, the dwarf sag and the sword plant and stuff, they weren't nearly as affected. Um, it seems like heavy root feeders aren't as affected as kind of stem feeders and rhizome plants. So the Java fern that got hit hard too. And that sucks because that was a year and a half of growth. That was a big batch of Java for it takes forever for that stuff to grow. But yeah, it'll absolutely kill my plants. So usually I try to only use the salt in the 30 gallon breeders because those are just bare aquariums with an air stone. They're just for landing fish, quarantining fish, medicating fish. So I can use the salt and the meds in there without fear of damaging plants. When I do have to put salt in a 75-gallon aquarium, 
all I generally have in the 75 gallons is floating water sprite and then Java moss on the bottom, maybe a piece of wood with some Java fern. When I have to do that, then I remove all the plants before I do it. And I rarely have to do that. Very, very rarely. So yes, it will absolutely destroy plants for sure. Cody Donovan, could you provide any advice on Xenotoka dodroy San Marcos live bear care? The best advice I have for you is to go to Select Aquatics and read. They have so much great information there. Selectaquatics.com. If Ahmad can link it, that'd be great. If not, selectaquatics.com. Read all that. And then if you have any questions, email Greg Sage, who owns selectaquatics.com. His email's on his website. And he will, I think I can say this safely, he'll get back to you in 24 hours. The man is responsive and he's full of knowledge. So if you give him all the information he needs to answer your question well, then you'll get great help there. So I'd refer you to Greg just because he has so much more experience with that fish than I do. I've seen his breeding populations of that fish. They're astounding. I've kept Xenotoka dodroy. I found them to be super easy. They, they, you know, cooler temperatures if you can. I think mine were in the mid 70s to low 70s. They might prefer a little cooler, 68 degrees. I wouldn't get them to the high 70s or the 80s. Um, quite a bit of vegetable matter in the diet. And the thing to know about them is they are... Um, I don't want to call them nasty or vicious, but it's probably a species only tank because they will nip other fish like crazy. So um, a big group of them in a tank by themselves, stunning and probably not going to have problems. Only like two males in a tank, you're probably going to have problems. They're probably going to go at it. Or some of them, a couple of them with some angelfish, they're probably going to nip the angelfish. The time when it might work to mix them with other fishes, if you have a large tank, in a big group of, group of dodroids, so their aggression is focused on each other, then they might leave the other fish alone. But just be aware that they're, uh, they're nippy from what I've seen. Greg has a lot more experience than I do though, but that's kind of my puny experience compared to Greg's like mountain of experience. That's, that's what I would say. But they were hardy for me. They were not a problem. Kaylor's Aquatics, the scene in Fried Green Tomatoes where someone steals a Kathy Bates parking spot. <laughs> she yells, Tawanda slams their car repeatedly. <laughs> oh, she doesn't, she doesn't yell Tawanda, does she? Um, winning Super Chat with someone younger is like that, kind of. I'm going to have to rewatch that. <laughs> that might become a meme that I pass around, Bob. Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> Haley Bo, I have 20 tanks and have an infestation in all my tanks. Oh, I'm sorry. I've never experienced that, so I have no idea how to cure it. Does anyone here know how to take care of an infestation of springtails? Um, Haley, I imagine they're probably planted because that's how springtails tend to, you know, like it. You know, the, the only, here is something you could try. They don't like a lot of surface movement in the water. So I don't know what kind of fish you have. I don't know if you have a ton of plants that, that you can't, so that that wouldn't work. But if you can get some good flow going across the top of that tank and make the surface of it fairly turbulent, 
at least in a, a turbulent enough that they can't get away from the turbulence. Like it'll circle around and suck them into the turbulence. Not so turbulent that your fish are like, we can't keep swimming. You know, not that. But that's the only real suggestion I have. Uh, real turbulent surface, that'll take care of it, I would assume. Again, never had the problem, so I've never done it. But if I did, that's the first thing I would do. I'd probably remove any floating plants because that'll give them a safe haven. And I would try that. Something else, woo, microphone just got hit. Something else you might try is just cleaning really well uh, the glass from right below the waterline up to the lid and then cleaning the lid really well. Because oftentimes we get food and stuff up in that area that kind of sticks and they might be feeding on that. So those are my ideas. Again, never having done it. That's, that's just what pops in my mind is what I would try. But if someone in here can help Haley out, would you please chime in? Um, Andakin, do you have to show skin for the Super Chats? Only on weekends, Andakin. Only on weekends. And it's Wednesday, so I'm good. <laughs> Mile High Plecos, my Super Chat isn't working. Yeah, maybe you gave too much too fast and broke it. Mile High broke the Super Chat machine. <laughs> I mean, you've done enough. It's good. We're all good, man. You're all paid up for a while. No worries. Um, it says it's buffering for some folks. Sorry, hopefully it fixed. Um, it says my stuff's good. So on my end, it looks like it's okay. Sorry if it's not on your end. If that continues, let me know. Tech Turtle, everyone has a different way of testing, of treating it. What's your way? So it depends. If it's a light infestation of ick, then I'll try an antibiotic, usually triple sulfa, along with ickx. Ickx really does work for ick. So that's, well, I should say, okay, so ick is a specific parasite but it's also what we call very generally any kind of white spots on our fish. There are, let's see here, I, was, I heard this from a fish veterinarian and I'm trying to remember the number, but I think it's over 20 pathogens that can create white spots on your fish. So first know that if you have white spots on your fish, it might not necessarily be the actual ick organism, it could be something else. But the ick organism is so prevalent that if it's, and you learn kind of what that looks like, more or less. So that's what we usually start with. So ickx, in my experience, is really, really effective on treating ick. Um, I'll have puffers come in just covered with the stuff, and I'll use that. And in a couple of days, they're pretty much cleared up. Although you want to keep it long term because you can only kill the organism in the free swimming stage. So ickx. And then an antibiotic like triple sulfa just to prevent secondary infections and to help the fish out a little bit. Now, please keep in mind triple sulfa might screw up your biological filter. So if you don't have like a separate hospital tank, that's the other thing. I generally put them in a separate hospital tank. Then um, you might not want to use that. Then you might want to go with urethromycin or something that kills gram positive bacteria instead of triple sulfa, which kills gram negative and your nitrifying bacteria is gram negative. So sometimes it's funny, sometimes triple sulfa won't affect my filter and other times it'll just kill it. At least I think that's what's happening because I test for ammonia while I'm treating just in case there's something going on. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. So 
If it's a really bad infection though, if they're just covered with ick, then I use copper. Copper is super effective, super fast acting, and it doesn't just kill ick. It kills, I think, pretty much every external parasite there is. So that's what I use for stuff that doesn't respond to ickx. Maybe it's a different strain of ick or a different organism completely that results in a similar looking uh, reaction of white spots. And um, yeah, so copper's where I go. Again, copper can sometimes appears to wipe out my biological filter because I'll treat with it and see an ammonia spike and have to remove the fish. Or sometimes I can use it and I never see an ammonia change. So I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure what to tell you there, but if you can, I'd always recommend a separate aquarium where you're not gonna kill plants and don't have to worry about biological filter. While I'm treating, I'm not feeding because I would much rather have fish that are a little bit hungry than a bunch of bio load in there that creates ammonia. So that's kind of what I do. And with, with both those treatments, I also use salt. So that's how I do it. Okay, let's see here. Where are we at? Oh, I got one of my board members is calling me from the theater company. I'll get back to him. Hang on. It jumped on me. <laughs> it jumped on me. Oh, there we are. Keith Boardley. When trying to grow angelfish fast, do they start to pair off sooner or does it still take a while after that? I don't know if I can answer that because I don't know if I've ever paid that much attention. I think it's more about size than age, but that's without me ever. I've never been like, Hey, I'm going to grow this batch slow and this batch fast and see if this batch pairs off quicker than this other batch or take a batch and divide it and do an AB test. I've never done that. So I really don't know, Keith. My suspicion is it's size. Cheshire Cat, as I was saying before, my phone sent my message prematurely. <laughs> I think I missed that, Cheshire Cat, so no worries. Uh, that makes sense, and I appreciate the scientific explanation. Oh, okay, osmotic pressure. I do my know my snails, love the minerals, etc. Uh, in my water. Cool. Yep, glad it worked for you. Another the Z. Are salt, is salt beneficial for platies or is it not an issue at all? Yeah, it's very beneficial. However, it's death to plants. So if you don't keep plants with your platies, then there's no problem at all keeping salt in with them. They, yeah, it's absolutely beneficial. The, as long as I keep my water clean, I, once the fish are acclimated and settled and, and like not stressed anymore, I don't have issues keeping hard water fish in my soft water. But if I skimp on maintenance or if um, I let something go, I'll get issues a lot quicker than I would if they were in hard water. So you can keep them in soft water. You just have to be spot on with parameters and maintenance in my experience. And, and by the way, water sprite is maybe my secret weapon. Just that stuff sucks up so many problems and takes care of them. It's just such a nice buffer that prevents ammonia from spiking and nitrites from spiking and things like that should something go wrong. But, but yeah, platies and all that stuff, they would love some salt in the aquarium. 
another thing though is I have really soft water. If your water naturally has salt in it, maybe don't put as much in. Like I'm please bear in mind when I'm recommending the meds I use and the salt concentrations I use and stuff, I'm coming from very, very soft water. Um, there are medications that don't work well in hard water because they bind to calcium. So if you have a high um, dissolved calcium in your water, maybe you don't want to use that medicine because you put it in, it's immediately going to bind to the calcium, then it's not available for your fish to uptake. So there's all kinds of things. Just be aware. I'm, I'm talking from what I do with soft water. All right. Tech Turtle. Java fern is like a go plant for brackish tanks. Oh, it died in mine. And maybe it's, well, okay. So maybe it didn't die. Maybe it converted. Like the rhizome on some of them is still green and viable, but the leaves turned like almost black, like dark brown and just, you know, went down. So maybe it's not killed it, but maybe it has to convert to salt water. If it was a real gradual change, maybe that wouldn't have happened. But I went from really soft, soft water to putting in a lot of salt just like that. And, and that, that it did not like, at least not in this tank. <laughs> 44 mag guy one just want to say hi and great stream well thanks for coming by and great to have you all right kenny overhauls it was my end at dan's fish it was my end at dan's fish I, I'm sure that makes complete sense, but my brain isn't processing it, Candy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anakin, I have Panicure coming in the mail. What dosage regimen do you recommend? Um, I'd have to look it up. And so if you go to Aquari AmericanAquariumProducts.com, let me just link this here for you and show it to you. This is where I go for most of my dosages. I, I don't, I have like a whole sheet that I, I keep on a, on a spreadsheet for my dosages. So I don't know them off the top of my head, but if you go here, American aquarium products, this can start you. So it's Panicure. So that's what fenbendazole. Um, where's that one? Fenbendazole. Let's help you out here. I'm sure it's here. Let's see. I'm totally missing it. There's flubendazole and fenbendazole on here somewhere. I'd have to look at it. It's on that site somewhere, though. I'm pretty darn sure. But I would go there and check it out and look up the dosage there. That's a medicine I don't use that frequently. So I don't have that one on, like, my spreadsheet that I have readily at hand. If you don't find it there, it's there. I swear I've read it there. But if you don't find it there, um, it's around on the Internet. That's a fairly common drug for for aquarium use. So the, the issue with Panicure, by the way, one hint is it's a paste and it doesn't dissolve super well in, in your aquarium water. So if you have like a little hand blender or something, what I would do is take however much you need, put it in a little container of water and then blend the heck out of it with a little hand blender and then put it in. Cause if you just put it in, it's not going to dissolve well. So that would be just one, one thing that I think would help you with that. 
Also, don't blend it so much that the water actually gets super hot in the little container. That'll denature it probably. But just put it in there, get a nice blend in there, mix it up, get it all, <laughs> you know, broken apart into little tiny particles and then pour it in and maybe stir it up a little bit and that'll help you. Tech Turtle, can platies live in brackish like mollies? Absolutely. Um, depending on how brackish, you might want to do it fairly gradually, but yeah. Platys can live in brackish. That's not a problem at all. At least not in my experience. If someone else here uh, has an opposite experience, let me know. But I've never had a problem with salt, with common live bearers, guppies, uh, platys, swordtails. They all seem to really love it. Mollies. So, yeah. All right. Well, we've been going for a while here and we've reached uh, the bottom of the chat here. So I'm going to... Oh, wait. Dansley brings up a good point. Panicure should come in packets so it can so if you have the if you have the powder then that's probably going to mix a little easier but again if you don't pre-mix it that powder is just going to kind of go across the surface of your water adhere to the surface membrane or tension or whatever you want to call it and not sink in well so i would blend that in as well so with either the paste or the powder i kind of blend it in I have a feeling the powder probably is maybe a little easier to use, but the paste will blend right up. It shouldn't be a big problem. Uh, but Dan's got some ideas of a tenth of a gram per 10 gallons. But look it up. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks so much for all the massive super chats. I can't wait to go upstairs and tell Brenda, my wife, about how that went tonight. Uh, everyone that super chatted, thanks so much. But a special thank you to Mile High Plecos and Bob. And by the way, Mikey, it's great to see you here and have you here again. Um, always great to have you, whether you super chat or not. So come on back, y'all. Thanks to the mods for doing what they do. Appreciate you guys and gal. And um, anyone in here that helped anyone that needed help in the chat and responded to their questions and things, thanks so much for helping out this community. That's what makes us strong and I appreciate it. And last but not least, all you lurkers, I'm with you. I appreciate you. And we will be back next Wednesday, same time, same place, 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time every Wednesday. So until then, I hope you have a good one. Bye-bye.